We are doing Daf Kuf Mem Aleph. We are starting from the Mishnah, right at the top. The Mishnah says, Akasha Gabi Mitzvah. We're talking about straw that is on a bed. So straw, usually it's only just to use for um, firewood, to use for a fire, and therefore it's muksa. So it has no purpose on Shabbos. So what do you do? You can't move the straw directly with your hand. You can't move muksa. The Mishnah says there's a heter to move it down, to move it with your body. Just as long as you're going to lie down in the bed, you move like a part of your body, like your shoulder, your elbow, and then we'll start to move. It's called totem nasada. It's a strange way of doing moving it. Since it's a strange way of moving it, we're lenient. It's a very interesting hatzer totem nasada because normally we say totem nasada is only mutter if you're doing it for the purpose of a non-mux item. But here, you're moving your elbow like directly to knock off the straw. It seems like a very interesting hatzer. There are those who take out from here that as long as you're not moving your hand, doing it with your hand, you can always move a muksa thing, even if you're doing it for the purpose of muksa. That's the Mishnah Brewer's psak. Okay. Uh, if the straw is just anyways would be used for animals to eat or if let's say a person had designated it to be like part of the mattress he put a pillow or a sheet on it so now it's not like ordinary straw that's only for firewood it's like actually part of the mattress then it's not muksa at all you can you can move it with your hand uh, completely and it's not a, it's not a problem with muksa at all continues the Mishnah so here we're talking about a special press for that they would press for um for clothing. Now the press had two boards, so they would put out the whatever whatever type of clothing on on the lower part, and then the top board they would press it, they press it down on it. And what would happen was to make sure it wouldn't stay away, they had posts on the four on the four corners of the boards, and then the 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 it would be raised. The board would be raised and lowered in order to to use. So the halacha is that if it's just a regular homemade one, that's not the boards aren't so tight, so there's no problem to take it out. You can take it out to get out the garment. Have a low kosher. You're not allowed to press it down on Shabbos. Pressing down on Shabbos, Rashi says, is zakhana for after Shabbos. You're not going to be using ready to be used on Shabbos. So to press the clothing on Shabbos is forbidden because that's an act of preparing for after the Shabbos. But if the clothing was already there and you just want to take it out, wear a fresh shirt on Shabbos, so that's okay to pull out the top one. Show in, but if it's actual real fancy laundry press, so that's also to take it out as well. Why? Because since they're so since they're so tight, so it's considered, Rashi says, like an act of sosar, it looks like an act of destroying to remove the top board from the, how tight it is with the bottom board. Abuda Omer, Abuda says, Im mutter, my Arab shops already was a little bit off before Shabbos, Mother's Kulu Shabbos, and then you can completely take it off and take out the garment. It's just only when you come to it and it's tightly packed together, that's when it's also to move the top board. But when it was already started coming undone, so that before Shabbos, then you're allowed to move it more on Shabbos itself. So we started off learning an idea in the Mishnah about indirect movement of muksa. An idea in the Mishnah was indirect movement because you're not moving it directly with your hand. So the Gemara teaches Amar Avnachlan. Hi, Pogolf. Let's say a person has a radish. So they, it already, it's already it's not attached to the ground. It's not going from the ground. But it was already um, harvested, but then it was buried inside the ground. You want to just cover, uh, protect it there. So what's the halacha? So we're talking about that it's a little bit is stuck sticking out of the ground. So could you move it, or are you going to be moving muksa the ground, the soil? So malashari. If it's right side up, it's mutter because you can just grab the wide part of the radish that's sticking out, and 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 it's not going to be considered that you're moving dirt. But But if it's upside down, it's osir because then the only way to take out the narrow part is also by picking up dirt directly. So then uh, it's forbidden. So the Gemara says, so what does it sound like? So it sounds like that, that, that Rav Nachman holds that even indirectly moving muksa is asr. That's what he was saying, that if it's mimata lamala, it's asr. Because if you think about it, it's really minatzahat because you're also really going for the radish. And while you're picking up the radish, the, the dirt's going to be picked up and shaken off. 
So we're still, if he's saying that's also, it sounds like he holds Sultan and Asad as a problem. So the Gemara says, Amar Ba'ad Bar Ba'ava, Ami Bey Rabbi, Shedan Yeshiva, Tanina, the Lok Rav Nachman. That our Mishnah sounds not like Rav Nachman, because the Mishnah said, Akasha, and Mitolina, and the other, when the straw is on the bed, you can't move with your hand. Ava, Manani, and Begufa, you move with your body. If it was animal, feed Oshayelah. In order to pillow is shinan and manenibiyad, you can move even with your hands. So shmami nafim and zadosh mitilto. We see from the reisha that moving something indirectly is not considered moving and it's mutter. So that that's a refutation of Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman was saying that mimatul mala alter. If the radish is buried, then you can't. Um, if it's upside down, the only way to take it out is also to lift out dirt with it, which will shake off. That's also here we say not that way. Tiltum nazad loish meitiltol, and in fact, it's mutter in the gemara. Shmami nafim. That is the halacha. Tiltum nazad loish meitiltol. Indirect movements of muksa are uh, are permitted. Now the gemara says uh, it's a little bit unclear what, what the context for this gemara is, but this gemara is talking about the malacha of tochens. We learned the halacha you're not allowed to grind and uh, grind cutting even just cutting things into very small pieces could be could be grinding like chopping up like dicing vegetables or something like that. So the gemara teaches Amar Yehuda Hani Pilpuli if you want to crush up you have peppers so what can you do? Made a boxes shari if you crush them one at a time with the back with the handle of a knife it's mutter. But two at a time is also. So we're saying a fascinating kula. So unclear why it's fully like this. Most malachos, if you do it to shinoi, it's still forbidden, right? It Maybe it's only awesome darabonim, but a shinoi doesn't make it totally mutter. But tochen, the halacha is that tochen b'shinoi is mutter. That's what the Gemara is teaching. So as long as you're doing with a shinoi, you're crushing it in a weird way, using the handle of a knife. And in addition, you're not doing so many at a time, you're only doing one, it's mutter. Rav Amar, keeping the shinoi, since you're doing a shinoi because you're crushing it with the back of the handle, then the handle of a knife, not the regular way of dicing it. You could even do a lot, and it's not a problem. So you can have the kula of shinoi, then even to dice up a lot. Continues the Gemara. Let's say somebody is with, and, and by the way, this past Gemara is very relevant. A lot of times with um, with different things that can come up in Shabbos, like mashing a banana or an avocado might be an example where you might be able to use. There's those who feel that's tochen, but to use the back of a knife then would be okay. The, the, the handle of a knife because of our Gemara. Says the Gemara, "I'm Someone, someone's going into water. So someone's bathing. They're going in a stream of water, a little bit of bathing. Now, again, t- technically today we don't do that, but that's already a later drabbanan. The Gemara is talking about that you're not to bathe at all on Shabbos. But um, if the, if you go to a body of water that it hasn't been warmed at all, technically such a thing is mutter. So the Gemara is talking about a person who has done such a thing, and now he's coming up in the water. So where is he right now? He's really in a karmas. So when he's coming up, he might be carrying the water. So Lidnim Nashavarisha, you should make sure that he dries himself first. Other list that can only then should he walk out. Why? We don't want him to come to carry water <coughs> that's on his body for Amos and Akamas. Carrying the Kamas is also. So there's going to be all this water that's left on him, and he's going to go onto the dry land <coughs> and continue carrying. So it'd be forbidden to carry there because usually we're assuming that the area by the Kamalas is like the sea, is like a Kamas. So you don't want him walking to walk with that. So the post can point out, just an interesting idea, if, if it's raining, you don't have a problem walking in the street even though you might be carrying. So some posts can say, well, there's not gonna be so much water on you. Other posts can say, well, that's, unavo- that's avoid- unavoidable. There's nothing you can do. But here, you can dry yourself first and, and the Gemara therefore wants you to do that before you come up. Says the Gemara, Forget about the issue when you're taking water out with you that you're carrying it. When you go into the water, what are you doing? When you enter, he pushes the water away for, for a distance of four almost, right? The sea, itself is a karma. So forget about the fact that you're going to be carrying the water out of the sea for Amos. Even just entering the water should be a problem. Entering the water, you're going to be pushing the water away for four Amos in the sea should be a problem. 
So the Gemara answer is no. Since it's only koach, you're only using your force. Using your force is not so bad. So normally, using your force to carry something is drabbanan. But in a karmelis, where to begin with, carrying is not such a problem. So it's only drabbanan. So to koach and a karmelis, the rabbis were very lenient and they allowed you to do that. That's why going into the water is not a problem. It's only coming out that we don't want you to be carrying it directly on your body. So therefore, we say dry yourself. Continues the Gemara Baye. Rabbi says, and some people say it was reviewed that Tichal Gabaragla, a person has clay that stuck onto their foot or their shoe. So mechanical by Kaka, you can scrape it onto the ground. Mechanical clothes, you shouldn't be scraping it onto a wall. Why? my time What's the reason you're saying don't scrape it onto a wall? It looks like you're building because you're adding clay onto the wall. So, right, sometimes I guess that the bricks, they would have like layers of, of clay on it. So if that's so, the Mara says it doesn't make sense because Habinya Chaklohu. A very bad way of building. In other words, it doesn't really look like building, the Gemara is saying. A very simple person might use clay to coat the house, but everyone else would have a real, you know, plaster, a real lime. So it's, if that's a regular form of building to begin with, then it should be totally mutter here, where you're not intending to build, you're just trying to scrape off your shoe. The Gemara doesn't buy that that's the problem. So the Gemara says, Ella, Amar Rabba. Rather, Rabba says the difference. We disagree. You could scrape it on the wall. We're not concerned that it looks like building, but you cannot scrape it on the ground. Because you're going to come to level out holes in the ground. Because usually, where are you going to go to, um, to scrape it out on the ground? We're assuming that you're going to be scraping it off probably on an unleveled area. And the reason is because usually, usually that's a better way of scraping it. So we're concerned that you might come to level out the, uh, level out the ground. And uh, which is the problem of Bona and Shabbos, so that's also says the Gemara. Itmar Marbet, Amar Echotavachza, actually both are also for different reasons. The scraping the clay onto the walls also because it looks like Binyan. And slipping onto the ground where it might be uneven is also because you might come to level the holes. Actually, both are totally mutter. Says the According to the opinion that both are also to scrape it onto a wall and to scrape it on uneven soil are also. So, how are you supposed to scrape the clay off your foot? And the Gemara is assuming like there has to be a way to do it on Shabbos. So the Gemara says, mechanically, why don't you just use a beam? It's just a piece of wood. So you don't have the issue of Mexico bone because it's not really a structure. And you don't have the problem of that you're going to come to live off holes. So that would be okay. Says the Gemara Amar Rava, Lo of inish apume the lachai. A person shouldn't sit on Shabbos right by the edge of the lachai. So this is just a little background. We're talking about a mavoy, right? A three wall. Three walls are enclosing it, but its fourth wall, the alley, the alley is open into the street. So it's much to carry. So should say off. But the Rabbanon said you're not allowed to carry there unless there's a lechi kor at the end. So you shouldn't sit right at the edge, right by the lechi on Shabbos. Because might be some sort of item that would roll out of the lechi and you might come to carry it back in. So then you're doing a daraisa, you're carrying it from outside, which is Rishus Ram, and bringing it back inside, which is Rishus Ayachin, on a technical level. So you don't want us to do that. See, so the Rabbanon say, you know what, just don't even sit by the edge of the lechi at all, so no, nothing bad will happen. Another sort of drabana, a person should not move a barrel back and forth onto the ground. You might not want to get sit well into the ground. So they would like almost like rock it and it would flatten the ground and it would sit, it would like be, it would be firmly sit into this. You're not allowed to do that. The muscle should be good ones because you might come to level holes, right? And if you come to level holes, remember that is bonab. Continues the Gemara, a person can't put wet wet like flockings like the materials of flockings into the mouth right by the mouth of the jug we don't want him to do that um, the jug and he's using it like to close it up because it might come to because it might be liquid that's going to be get stuck into the cloth right we're saying it's wet flockings and when you press it tightly what you're going to be doing is it's going to be taking it out it's going to be squeezing it out now what is the issue of squeezing it out so we learned this back in, a little bit back in Kofiral if it might be an issue number one of malabin of whitening of cleaning it out you're not allowed to wring out a rag or something like that 
On Shabbos and second of all, it might be an issue of mefarik, where you're extracting the liquid that is stuck in by pressing it tightly, it's going to be extracted and it will come out. It might be mefarik. Continues the Gemara Marvkana. Let's say clay is stuck onto a person's garment. So you're not allowed to clean on Shabbos. You're not allowed to launder. So that would be like using water or something like that. So what happens if you're just making the garment look better by rubbing it a little bit? So that's not a Daraisa form of Malabin because you're not really fully cleaning it. You're not using water or anything. But it's also a Darabonon to try to wipe it off, to try to wipe off a stain. So the Gemara teaches, You can rub it from the inside but not the outside. So rub it on the outside, it's also it's also a Darabonon. But if you're doing it from the inside, so it's not obvious that you're doing it to clean it, so it doesn't even look like Malabin, so it's not even awesome to rub on it. So it's rubbing from the outside to rub it out. That's a problem. But from the inside, it's, it's, it's a weird way of doing it, so therefore it's not even awesome to rub on it. It says the Gemara Mace, we have a caution on this from the bride. So it says, if there's clay on a person's shoe, you could scrape it off with the back of a knife. Like, we don't want you to use a blade, the blade of a knife, or like, and we'll see the reason is because we're scared that you're going to be peeling off part of the letter, the, the leather, which is a problem of machik. You're not allowed to smooth out any like level out the, the, the like the hides, you can't level out any of the leather. So we don't want you using uh, the blade of a knife. So you can do it though with the back of a knife to scrape it off. So big though if it's on your garment, with garments you burn, you can scratch it off with your fingernails. And obviously with the back of the knife, but we're saying you let it up, but we're saying in your fingernails, we use it without you can't rub it. You can just do a scratch, but but just to try to get out. But as long as you're not rubbing it totally out, but you can't actually rub the garment. So what does it mean you can't rub? But my love is the cloud saying you can't rub it at all, even on the even from the inside. So the only thing you can do is try to scratch it. You can't do a rubbing motion. So Rav Kahana was saying that rubbing from the inside is wonder. Here with Chayyim we see that you can never rub. So the Gemara says low. The price doesn't mean that always rubbing is also mutter. You can't rub from the outside, but it is in fact mutter. To rub from the inside is a shinoid, that's a weird way of doing it. So rubbing from the inside is mutter. And the outside rubbing is also, but scraping, trying to scrape a little bit would be okay. Says the You could scrape clay off a new shoe, but not an old shoe. Because again, what we're concerned for is that um, you might you might peel off the, uh, some of the layers of, of the leather, which would be mamachit. So, so it says the Gemara's mamagaro, and what can you use for a new shoe? Um, and, and the reason why I get, right, what, what, what are you going to use? So, what we got was talking, you use for the back of the knife. So you can use the new shoe. The leather is much tougher. It's not going to be, it's not going to, not, no problem is going to come from using, um, from using the back of the knife, back of the knife to, 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 to scrape it off. says the there's an old person who said to Rebbe, you should take away what you said. Once we found this bride, said the Rebbe Chia, said Rebbe Chia, we found the bride that said, You can't scrape either a new shoe or an old shoe. And we're saying, even if you're using the back of the knife, it might, so we're still concerned that it might peel off uh, the new shoes, the upper layer, which would smooth it out. So we're concerned not to use, um, not, not, not to use even the back of the knife. Uh, what could you use? Is there anything? So it seems like other things could be used like wood or rock those don't necessarily peel anything off and they can be used they may in fact be used like we learned in the Gemara before like remember we were saying what are you going to what are you going to use to scrape off your shoe and we said you could do it on a wooden beam so so do here the Gemara doesn't mean there's nothing whatsoever you can do it's just saying you can't use anything any parts of the knife even the back of the knife but uh to do it but you would in fact be allowed to use like some sort of wood or a stone or something like that to scrape it out Another thing, and a person can't smear his foot with oil while it's inside of a shoe. Why? Because there's a malachim of tanning, of softening um, hides into leather. 
So here, when you're going to be rubbing, when, when you're going to be putting oil, rubbing oil into it, that's a problem. It softens the hide. So here, you're not doing it directly, right? You're putting it on your on, on your foot while it's inside. But you're simultaneously, my, my, so that's what you're doing. You're oiling the shoe leather. So it's forbidden. It's forbidden to do such a thing. Avo, what could you do? Soft, it's ragu You could smear your foot with oil. And then put it into the shoe. That could be okay. Since at the time, you're not putting it directly. You're, you're smearing your oil, your foot with the oil. And there's no contact with the shoe. So then it's only later. It's a natural thing. You're putting in your foot into the shoe. So then we're not concerned. Another thing, you could smear your whole body in oil and then roll around into a leather sheet. So the idea, again, is that as long as, long as you're not doing it directly, it's only the one form to begin with, to be pouring the oil somewhere on it. So as long as you're not doing it directly, myself, softening it, you're going on something else, then it's a problem. You know, to be concerned for that after your body is smeared in oil, that you're going to be rolling around on the piece of leather. That's not a problem. Says the Gemara, it's only true if what you're trying to do is you're trying to, 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 to do a polish. If you're trying to do some sort of polish the leather, that's where it's okay. If you're actually trying to tan it, to soften it, then it is usher. And in fact, it could be, it could be usher. And, that, and, and that's what the Gemara is being machalic. Tanning leather is a real malacha. Polishing it is not. So this leniency they were saying, because you're doing it indirectly, we're saying you can't, you can't do that for tanning the leather if that's what you're trying to do. You can only do it if you are trying to polish it. So the Gemara says, if you're actually trying to tan it, of course it's also, it's more over if you're, if, if, is there anyone who would be moderate to polish it? Meaning the Gemara is saying, who cares what you're trying to do? The bottom line is, if, if it's going to tan it and loosen it, and that's a problem, right? That's an absolutely a problem. That's a malacha. So who cares that you're only trying to polish it? Why should, even that should be us. And the Gemara concludes that that's true. There's no hatter of trying to do it indirectly if you're actually going to be tanning. If anything was said, this is what was said. You're only allowed to do it if the amount of oil you're putting in is only amount of oil that could polish it, but not enough to tan it. If you're putting in enough oil that actually has enough sufficient size to tan it, then it's us, no matter what you're trying to do, because inevitably you're going to be you want to be softening it and tanning it, and therefore it's also. So the only hat there is when you're not putting in enough that can actually tan it. Okay, so then the only issue is the polish, which is only also Madarabanan. So since the polishing is only is only an issue, is only an issue on a Darabanan level, so 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 therefore um, it would be okay as long as it's being done indirectly. Okay, now that we spoke about shoes, we want to talk more about other random halachos of shoes in regard to Shabbos. We learned in a price, a small person should not go into the street wearing a shoe that's too big for him. Why? Because we're concerned it might be too annoying, it's going to fall off, and he might come to carry it. You go out wearing a shirt that's too big, because there, it doesn't fall off, right? So therefore, you're not going to take it off just because it's too big. The woman is not allowed to go out wearing a shoe that is torn, because for her, it's embarrassing. So she might move it, right? A man, we don't even care if shoes are torn or not. Therefore, it's much of him to go out. But for a woman, it's forbidden. It's forbidden for her to go out with a shoe that is torn. Below, she shouldn't do chalitza with a shoe that is torn. It's not a type of shoe, impulsive. But if she did chalitza, chalitza sakshia. Then the chalitza is kosher. And the idea is that b'diavad is considered a shoe. It's not not a shoe, and therefore it's okay b'diavad if she used it. Continues the, the Gemara of the Ain Yodz and Minol Chadash. A person shouldn't go out with a brand new shoe on Shabbos. Why? What's the idea? Beis and Minol Amar. What shoe are we talking about? Minol Shalisha, a woman's shoe. They're very particular that it, fit, it fits the right way. So she's going to wear a new shoe. She might not be fitting right. And if it doesn't fit too right, it's too big, it's too small, she would take it off and come to carry it. 
This is only true she didn't get tried on, she didn't go out with it ever before Shabbos. If she had gone out, she tried it on, then it's okay, because once we see that it fits well, so there's no concern that you might come to carry it. No concern that it doesn't fit well, so she can go out with it on Shabbos. As the Gemara, there are two brides here. Tani Chalimah brides this. You could take the shoe off the form on Shabbos. So we're talking about shoes that are on with the place where shoes are crafted. So it's like a leather skin. It looks like a foot, and they would make the shoe on this thing, on this form. And then when it was finished, they would take it off. So one brides says you're allowed to take it off on Shabbos. But Tani Yidach Ein you're not allowed to take a shoe off the form on Shabbos. So what's Pshat? So the Gemara says, "Lokash, Harav Blazer Rabbanu, it's Machlokas. Nah, Minos Lagana Ima is a shoe that's on the form. Rabbanu says it's Blazer says it's tar, meaning it's not Makalatama. Why is it not Makalatama? It's not considered to be a cleat until it's taken off. It's not a cleat. Whereas the Chachamim Amar Tam, the Chachamim holds it's a cleat as soon as it's there. So yeah, that's what the Machlokas here is going on. The Machlokas is: is it considered a cleat before it's been removed from the form? So if it is considered to be a cleat, so it's not Moksa, you can take off the shoe. But if it's not a cleat, that's the second price. Also, Rabbanu says it's not yet a cleat." Until it's taken off, it's not a kli. So the state that it's in right now, what's on the form, is that it's mutza, it's not a kli. And therefore, you're not allowed to remove it on Shabbos. Okay, so this is all about the issue of taking off the shoe from the form, whether or not the shoe is considered a kli. But the Gemara questions this further. The Gemara says, what about the fact that when you're going to be taking off the shoe, you're also inevitably going to be moving the shoe form. Now, the shoe form is a kli shemalas al-isr. It's a form, it's a kli that's made to make, to make shoes. So it's definitely a kli, but it's, it's made primarily to do something that's forbidden on Shabbos, to make shoes. You're not allowed to craft shoes on Shabbos. So uh, what about the fact, forget about the moving the shoe, but what about the fact that you're also going to be moving this kli shemalas al-isr, the shoe form? So the Gemara says, Rav understands you're allowed to move so shopper, it's good. We could be saying, right, you're moving it for its place. You're moving it here from the shoe, right? What is the idea? You need the place where the where the shoe form is on, inside the shoe, right? That's that's the point. It's like you need you need in order to be able to take out the shoe, to get to the shoe. You're going to be have to be moving the shoe form that's stuck. That's like the foot that's like inside of the shoe. So it's like moving a kli shemalatzal isra tzarich makoma. So according to Rav, it's good. So we don't have to be concerned as long as the kli, as long as the shoe itself is not muksa. We're saying it's it, that 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 it's a kli like the rabban in that first brayso. So we don't have to be worried about the fact that you're moving the form. But a bai holds that you can only move a kli shemalatzal isra tzarich gufo to use it for another use that's mutter. But the tzarich makoma aser. To move it for the for to get for its place is also according to Abai, if you had a pen on the table, if you, you needed the pen to use or something else as much, but if you needed the space of the pen, it's also. So Michael, what are you gonna say here? How are you allowed to move the shoe form? You need it for to get to its place, to get to the shoe. So so you're not allowed to move a Klishmatz, so it's Litzorach Nikomo. So the says, Hawk Mai's Kinaber Rafa, we're talking about the shoe was very loose on the shoe form. So therefore you're you can take it off without moving the shoe form at all. So you only have to worry about moving the clean. You don't have to be worried about moving the Shoe form at all, and where do we see a support for this? The time it says in a bride, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, my roughly mutter. It's only mutter to take off the shoe if it was loose on it. So Mamish is like what we're saying that 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 otherwise it'd be usher, presumably because you'd be moving the shoe form, which is a klish matzalis or tarak makoma. You're not allowed to, but since it's loose, you don't have to be moving the shoe form, so you're allowed to. So now the Gemara says, oh, once the bride says that the way, let's come and ask the question the other way. Time into Rafa. It sounds like we're really only be monitoring it because it was loose on the shoe form, so you're not going to have to be moving the form at all. Hello, Rafa, low. But it, the implication is that if it, it was it was t- held on a tight way, it would be also. Why? Because you have to be moving the form. So, according to Abai, they're moving Klishmatzalis. 
is also Litzarach Makomo, it's good. That's where Rebbe Yudah is limiting the Heter only if the shoe is loose. So then you don't have to move the form. But if it wouldn't be tied, it would be Asr, because you'd be moving the form Litzarach Makomo, which is Asr, but like Rava, Rava, that you can move a Klishim Lata Litzarach even Litzarach Makomo. So then Maya Rafa, why does Rebbe Yudah have to say that the shoe is loose? I feel Rafa Nami, even if the shoe is not loose, it should be okay. So we're back stuck. We're back stuck. What's the shot? Even if it's not loose, it should be mutter. So initially, it's so interesting in the Gemara. Initially, we were asking Akash and Abai because we thought we were talking about a tight one. So the Gemara answered, we're talking about a loose one. And we supported that because the Rice said we're talking about a loose one. But now we're talking about a loose one, so now we have Akash and Rava. Why do we have to say it's loose? If a Klishma Atzalist was mutter, even Litzayrach Makaimai, so it doesn't have to be a loose one. Even if you are moving to move the shoe form, it should be mutter because it's Klishma Atzalist or Makoma. My answer is No, you don't need it to be loose because we're scared you're moving the issue form. The reason for the price of Rabbi Yudah was saying it has to be loose is for Rabbi Lazar's opinion. Remember, Rabbi Lazar's opinion is that the shoe is not a clee and therefore it's also to move it because the, the shoe itself is, is moksa. So we need for the, for the shoe to be in order, if the shoe is loose, then it's considered like it's already off somewhat. It's already somewhat off of the shoe form and it turned into a clee and you can move it. That's what we're trying to say. So, the Gemara initially was understanding that, of course, we were going like the Rabbanon that the shoe was um, was was not a cleat, well, what was a cleat, and that the only issue we were trying to figure out why it had to be loose was that you're moving the shoe form. And then, then it's a cleat, so the Gemara is like, stuck, why do you need it to be loose? So now the Gemara is answering, no, we're going like Rebbe Lazar in this price. And Rebbe Lazar holds that it's not a cleat. It's not a cleat. The shoe is not, a, is not considered to be a cleat until it comes off. So then, then it makes sense. Then we have to say that it's loose because or else it's going to be straight up moksa to move the shoe off of the shoe form. Okay, that's the end of the pack. Now we move on to the new Mishnah. Says the Mishnah, no to all the must be no of Evan Biyadu. Let's say a person can move his son. His son's obviously not moksa. But what about the fact the son is holding a stone? So you're holding the son. Who's holding the stone? The stone is Muxa. So the Mishnah says you're allowed to do that. We'll have to see what the Pshat is simply understood. I guess we would say it's mutter because it's not considered like I'm moving the stone. I'm moving the kid. The kid is holding the stone. Well, that will quickly change in the Gemara. You can move a basket even though there's a stone in it. So that's a big Kiddush because normally there's a din of buses, right? So if the stone is Muxa, so the basket should also be Muxa. So the Gemara will address that. The Tatal and Truma to Tahar, you can move Truma that is Tame together with Truma that's Tahar. Truma that's Tame is Muxa. Truma that's Tahar is not Muxa. Let's say they're together, or the trimatme is with hulin, you're allowed to move them. And again, we have to see exactly in the Gemara what the case is. What's the basket? What's, how does that work? Am I allowed to move one muxa thing and a non muxa thing in a basket together? We'll see more details in the Gemara to make sense of this. Now, there's a halacha that something on um, the tevel on, uh, on Chavez is muxa. And the reason is because you, there's no way to. Uh, to be misakinic, because you're not allowed to tithe, you're not allowed to take off trim on Shabbos. It's forbidden to do that on Shabbos because it's like buildings, like being misakin. So Rabbi Yudah is talking about a case of Malan and You could take off the one part of trimah that got mixed with a hundred parts of chulin. So a little bit of background here is important to understand. Trimah that falls into a pile of chulin. So on a derisa level, it can become bottle. As long as there's a majority of chulin, it should be okay. But Midrabana is it didn't, it has to be in a hundred parts of chulin. Meduma, less than a hundred part is called dimua, it's mixed up and it's forbidden to be used. Even if there are a hundred parts, it is bottle, but there's a din that you have to take out one for the coin. 
and give it to him. It might not be the one that was Truma, but that's the din. So it's bottle one in a hundred, but you take out one and give it to the coin. Ravita is saying is that you could take out that one part of the Truma from the mixture, from the one from the hundred parts of Hulin, and that's not considered to be fixing on Shabbos. We'll have to understand why it's not. I mean, the bottom line is the din. You're supposed to fix it, right? You're supposed to tithe. You're supposed to take off one in a hundred and give it to the coin. And if you can't take off Tevel on Shabbos, so why is Rabbi Yehuda saying that you're allowed to take off Timu on Shabbos? That you could take off the one out of 100 parts for the truma that fell into the pile of hulun, we have to see more details in the Gemara analysis why it's okay. All right, so first the Gemara is going to start with something nothing to do with Moksa, but the laws of carrying, and then we're going to come back to Moksa. So, Amar, Hoti Tino the kid's loves of our person, is carrying out a live child, and the kid has a pouch that he's holding from his neck. Chayav Mishim Kids. You might be Potter because of the kid, we'll see why, but you're Chayav for carrying the pouch. Even though I'm not directly carrying the pouch, I'm carrying the kid who's carrying the pouch, it's considered like I'm carrying the pouch. If you're carrying out a dead child with a pouch on his neck, you're potter. Completely potter. And we'll see the analysis here. So the Gemara says, let's first look at the first case. Tino Chayv, a kid's child, if someone took out a live child and there's a pouch on his neck, it says you're Chayv for the kids. Why? Why aren't you Chayv for carrying a kid? Says the Gemara, that a living, a living thing carries itself. And there's an interesting idea that to carry live weight, you're not Chayv. Since it's helping you carry itself by shifting its weight, so it's an interesting halacha. We learn it's not like carrying things in the Mishkan where they're regular objects. So you are potter if you carry out the live child. So now, now we're saying though that even though that's true, if the kid is her- is carrying the pouch, you're chai for the pouch that he's holding. Says the Gemara, why? The bottle kids like a tino. The pouch should just be viewed like something that's tuffled to the tino, something that's just like an accessory to him. Milo tonight, it's a chai mita papal mita. If a person carries out a live person in a bed, they're potter on the live person because chai nasi is and they're potter on the bed shamita tevilo because it's not viewed that they're carrying the bed; they're just carrying the person. Wherever the person goes, automatically. Wherever the person goes, automatically the bed follows them. And the bed is viewed as an, as an accessory to the person. So, so to here, why don't we say that it, the, the kiss, the pouch, is, is just an accessory to the kid. And if you're putter on the kid, because Chaim says Asma, you should be putter on the pouch as well. So the Gemara explains there's a difference. It makes sense that a bed is an accessory to a live person, right? It's like he's holding the person. The pouch is not bottled to the person. Why is the kid holding it? It's a toy or something. It's not doing anything for the kid. He's just, in other words, it's not like doing like being mishamish him in any way. He just has him holding his toy. So therefore, this extra object of the toy that he's holding in his hand is considered that I'm carrying the pouch when I move the kid. Even though the kid is the one holding it, but I'm, I'm moving it. So I'm pot around the kid because kind of says asthma. But I'm high for the pouch that he's holding. Now the Gemara analyzes the second part. We said, Tinoch Mez, we kiss Salab Savar Potter. If you carry a dead child um, and, 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 and he's holding the, the pouch, your potter completely. So says, Why? If he's dead. The Chaim Shandim, you should be high for carrying out the kid. There's no Chaim that says asthma. The kid's dead. So the Gemara explains, Rabba Grab Shimon Sirile, Rabba holds a Grab Shimon, Komalach Shin Sweet Potter, your potter from Malach Shin Sweet Hulagufa. So you're only high of. For carrying out something if you're planning on, for the need to use it somewhere else in the second location but here you're not carrying out the dead body so that you can use it somewhere else you don't want it to be in the first location so therefore that's halacha that's malacha she'in tzricha legufa malacha she'in tzricha legufa is pater that's why you're pater for the dead body okay and um and and and, and now in this situation why you pater for the pouch so it seems rashi explains that that there's a grief that the person has but the, the father has, and he wants to bury the pouch. It's like you want to bury the child together with his toy. So it's the same thing. The pouch is not significant in its own right here. Here it's taka, part of like the burial needs of the kid. So it's bottled to the kid's body. So since you're potter for the body, because in Malachal Jain you're not using the body, you just want to get out of your shows, so you're potter as well for the pouch that's around his neck. 
Okay, so after we, the analysis is finished there, the laws of caring, one thing we see is that when you're carrying a live child who's carrying a pouch, if even though you're putter for the kid, you're high for the pouch because you're carrying the pouch. The Gemara says, Our mission said in the laws of Muksa, you can carry out the son even though he's holding the stone. What's the pshat? So the simple pshat is because you're not carrying the stone, the kid's holding the stone. So the Gemara is saying that's contradicting. Here we're saying that when the laws of carrying, when you're carrying out the live kid that's holding the pouch, it's considered like you're carrying the pouch. So to here, it should be considered like you're moving the rock. So it should be muksa. So the Gemara says, you're right. The Mishnah is a special permit for a kid that really needs his father. It's like a special thing where you're concerned the kid might become really sick if the father doesn't lift him. So the Rabbanah were makel and they waved the normal muksa iser in order to help out the kid. But a regular but a regular case in a Hanami, of course, is considered if you're holding a person that's holding something, it's considered like you're holding that item, and it would be, in fact, usher. The mission is a special permit because the kid desperately needed the father. Says the Gemara if you're saying the mission is a special permit because the, the, the kid really needs his father, Maya Evans, why we're only talking about a stone? I feel like even if he's holding a coin. I love my Rabbi Lashandra, saying it's, it's only with stone that it's okay, but at dinner it's usher. So why, if it's a special permit that, that he's allowed to do it, what's the distinction between a stone and a coin? So the Gemara explains, we'll explain the difference. Evan, when he's holding a stone, we're not concerned that the father's going to carry it himself. So if the kid drops the stone, that's it. It's going to be the end. And we don't have a problem with him moving the stone the way it is, uh, even in the Durabanan of Moksa, because, because the kid really needs the father of dinner. But if the kid is holding a coin, if it's going to fall out, we're concerned that the father's going to carry it himself. So there's a chashash that it's going to come to the Raisa. So since there's a concern that it may come to a Malacha Raisa, so even though the kid really needs the father, we don't allow him to carry the kid with the dinner. The kula is only for other muksa items. But if we see that this might lead to malacha daraisa being done, so then we're not lenient. That's why if the kid is holding a coin, it's not permitted. Says the Gemara. We have a Again, the concept of rava is that when you're holding a person that's holding something himself, it's considered like you're holding that something. And that's why, for example, if, the, if we're carrying out a live kid who's holding a pouch is usher in the Mishnah, that allowed you to carry out the stone with the, with the kid with the stone in his hand was a special kula, must be a special kula because the kid really needed the father. Where do we see this way? Someone's carrying out his clothing folded and on his shoulders. His sandals and his rings are in his hand. But if you went outside, you're wearing them. Potter, you're potter. Why? Because clothes are always bottled to a person. Someone who carries out a person who is wearing clothes, or sandals on his feet and rings on his hand, potter, you're totally potter, you're potter on the hand, because, and you're potter for all these other things that, that the person's wearing on them because they're bottled to his body. We can infer, if you carry the clothes as they were, meaning, let's say you're carrying a person and he's carrying the clothes, then the carrier would be chayav. Why are you chayav? Because when you carry someone, who's holding something, it's viewed like you're carrying it. So that's exactly like Rabbi said, with the pouch around the, the neck of the live kid, you would be high for the pouch. And the hatter, the Mishnah, to move the kid with the stone must be a special kula with a katan she'ish lo gaguin al-aviv.